a series ladies and gentlemen jared jones with you on another fantastic tuesday afternoon it's high noon here on the thompson tire and services studios thank you for joining us for the antler report on the antler sports network if you're listening live on the mixler app or wherever you find your podcast and on all google and alexa controlled devices today is a fantastic day today is a very special day specifically if you are a fan of the dallas Mavericks. If you went into game two the same way that I and many other Mavericks fans, including Matthew, I guess you can call him our local Maverick correspondent, who'll also be on via the ABS T-Shirt Graphics Hotline not too not too far from now. You go into game two, no Luca. You expect you kind of expected Luca to be out, but you still wanted to have hope. A uh, big Mavericks Twitter page, a big Mavericks fan Twitter page released um, what seemed to be a legitimate looking injury report that said Bogdan. Boban Bogdanovich is going to be out as well, or at least be a game-time decision. So that gave myself and other Mavericks fans just a tad bit of hope. And the next thing you know, when the game starts, we're pretty much back to square one. No Luka. The Jazz are pretty much at full strength. And then the game begins. You see Jalen Brunson hits a couple of threes. We're like, okay. And this is just from my own reaction of watching the game from start to finish. You say, okay, this, this might not be as slow of a start or as much of a letdown as game one was because honestly game one should have gone to the Mavericks we just have to hit free throws and shots and those shots we missed guess what we hit them today and speaking of hits we have the hit producer I guess you can say Matthew Hermans our local Maverick correspondent here with this via the ABS t-shirt graphics hotline Matthew I know you were stressed out watching that game just as much as I was, but the ending and how fantastic it was. I know both of us were, I guess, excited to say the absolute least after the game. And we talked a lot a lot about the Mavericks off the air. What did you think about the Mavericks' performance without even getting into Jalen Brunson's fantastic performance? Because that's a segment in its own right. Yeah, no, I mean, stress ain't even the word, honestly. Like, you know, it was, it was a big game. And, um, as a Mavericks fan, you know, that was kind of a must win, especially uh, not knowing if Luke is going to be available for game three. Hopefully he will be. We were wanting to split 1-1, and like you said, we had the opportunity to close out uh, the first game, and we weren't able to. And uh, I think they just learned from that, and we were able to close out this game. And uh, defensively, I think they played amazing. They were always uh, really active on defense, and – it was a complete team effort, especially uh, Maxi Kleba as well, who's been struggling this season. I was really impressed to see what he was able to do, and I was really, really happy with the end result, just like who we both were. Now, I want—I know Jalen Brunson's performance was absolutely remarkable, and that's not to take away anything from what he did. 
But if you watched Maxi Kleba as much as we have, we've seen the ups. We've definitely seen the downs. To watch the man that we've, I guess you could pretty much say, grown up this season, come off the bench and give us 25 while going 8 of 11 from deep. All of his field goals on the floor were threes. To also tack on six rebounds and go 50% from the line. Would you agree that it's it's great to see, it's comforting to see that our bench guys, especially Maxi, with the struggles that he's had this season, is stepping up when it matters the most? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously with Luca out, you need more guys to step up, and that's what that's what they did. I think it was Spencer Dinwiddie who got caught saying yesterday that they're uh, buying Luca time, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're buying Luca time. They're uh, having the next man up step up, and uh, until Luca comes back, um, there's going to have to be one or two players that, uh, regardless of how their season's been going previously, have to step up during these big games. And Maxi Kleba was able to do so, and I was very impressed with his performance, especially shooting wise, because if I'm not mistaken, he was around like 13% from threes. I think since the All Star break, he was he was um, very inefficient coming into the games and it was one of those uh things where you 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 weren't excited for him to go in the game you were like and eh, he he's still been on the slow start but right when he right when he uh we needed it most he was able to come in and uh sh- shoot the absolute lights out which surprised me and uh i'm happy to see him find his stride at the right time i'm glad you brought up that spencer dinwiddie quote that we're just buying luca time I don't know if our, some of our listeners' homes are avid Dragon Ball Z fans. I know I am personally. This reminds me a lot of every single saga where Vegeta, Gohan, Piccolo, and the other filler characters were getting their tails whooped, but still holding the villains off just to wait for Goku to arrive. I feel like this is that exact situation. Spencer mm-hmm. Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, Maxi Kleba, we're not expecting them to come out and put up 41, 25, 30 re- points a night, respectively, but we just need them to just hang on. Just give us a little bit of time. Because as as Jason Kidd said before this game, Luca, yeah, he wasn't going to play, but he's making positive strides. He's making he's taking good steps mm-hmm. to coming back. I don't haven't really seen anything so far today about him coming back for game three. Be it it is twelve o'clock, we're still midday, so I'd expect a lot more news to come throughout the news day continues and as it transpires. So of course we hope to see him back, but if we're playing like this. I don't want an 80% Luka to come back just so we can wax the Jazz. If we're playing like this, do you want Luka to go in and come back just to go in and seal the deal? Or do you want to let go in, let Luka go in and be 100% and let this Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie show, let's see how long we can ride this train. Um, When it comes to Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, it's, that's, that's kind of a risk-reward thing. Um, if you were wanting Luka to sit out an extra game, of course, Luca. Whenever he feels like he's going to be ready, is probably when Jason Kidd's probably going to put him in. And I feel like it's 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 a risk reward. So let's say uh, we don't play Luca on Thursday. Jalen Brunson has a bad game. Then what? Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't able to, what or isn't able to step up. It's it's not going to look like a positive for the Mavericks. I think it's going to be a 50-50 type deal when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Jalen Brunson. Of course, Jalen was able to step up, but he had to work his tail off to be able to step up uh, last game. I just don't know if he'll be able to repeat that performance again uh, without Luka. 
One thing about Jalen Brunson that I've liked so far is seeing him pretty much take the reins. You look at the way Spencer Dinwiddie played in that ball game, ended up finishing the affair with only 17 points, which seems like a lot. But if you look at the offensive explosion he's given this team, especially past the All-Star break when we picked him up, you would expect a Jalen Brunson performance from Spencer Dinwiddie. But of course, as that second half went on, Utah started putting the heat on him. Jalen Brunson was getting double teamed by Royce O'Neal and Bogdanovich and, and sometimes triple team also with a little bit of Donovan Mitchell showing on defense as well. So seeing Jalen Brunson handle the pressure, it kind of makes me feel like, okay, Spencer, Jalen Brunson's a younger guy. He's our late second round pick. We brought you in and sent off one of our biggest assets for you to make an immediate impact. I like the 17 points you gave. You went four for four from the line. 50%, pretty much almost 50% from the field. But you got to expect more from him. Am I wrong for thinking that I should see a little bit more from Spencer Dinwiddie, especially the way he was pretty much locked down for the second half? Uh, not necessarily, no. Of course, we uh, got him to be uh, one of our second options. And, you know, he's had a couple bad games. There's only been two games during the playoffs. But you have to keep in mind, he's the reason we've won some of our uh, previous games that got us in uh, the four seed in the first place. I mean, the game winner against the Nets, coming up clutch in previous games before that as well. Two bad games is a small sample size for me to, like, completely give up and just uh, be disappointed in Dinwiddie based on his previous success uh, right after we got him uh, during the season. Now, game three is Thursday. Before this series started, I wanted the Mavericks to at least split the home games. I knew Luka was going to be pretty much a non-factor due to his injury, and that's okay. I understand that. I get it. But I at least wanted to split the two home, split the two home games. And we've done that. Now we have to go to Utah and try to at least, I guess you could say, create some kind of separation to give Luka a bit of a cushion. If we go tit for tat with Utah while we're in Utah and Luka comes back, I don't like it at all. I do not like it for the simple fact that the more strain and the more effort we have to put onto Luka's shoulders, that just that just makes me even more nervous than I feel like I should be. I'm not saying Luka's a world-class athlete, but this is the first time we've had a Maverick star, star in quotations, out because of an injury during crunch time. And it kind of hurts more, no pun intended, it hurts more knowing that Luka came into this season obviously out of shape. He even said himself, himself that he wasn't in 100% game shape. If I'm the Mavericks right now, I'm looking at Luka, and I'm almost giving him the Anthony Davis look like, okay, you have to put, you have to hold yourself accountable. Let this be a lesson. This should not be happening for the next couple of years. Now, this is, this is going to be probably the hottest take I've ever had. This playoff series, and Lord willing, every playoff series after this, if Luka is out for a, for a significant amount of time, if Luka's out for, let's say, the rest of the series, hypothetically, and we end up losing in the first round, once again, with Luka at the helm, Luka is probably on the hottest seat amongst players in the NBA. And maybe, just maybe, it's time for Dallas to start thinking, okay, if Luka isn't going to hold himself accountable, we know what that can do to a franchise. 
Let's look at Anthony Davis. Him being injured has put the Lakers in a bind that goes beyond the court, that goes beyond actually playing games. If I'm Dallas, I don't want that. We have a much deeper roster. We have a lot more upside, as you can see from last night's affair. If I'm the Mavericks and Luka's out for a long, for a big amount of time, and we end up losing in the first round without him there, I'm looking at Luka and thinking, hey, we might have to move on. We might eventually have to move on. And I hate to say that because I love Luka. I love what he's brought to this franchise. I love what he's brought to this team. He's pretty much given the Mavs a new renaissance that we haven't seen in a decade. But at the same time, we have to look in our own conference and look at what happens when an injury-prone star is the center of your franchise and the center of your franchise's future. These players make too much money to not hold themselves accountable and hold their health accountable and to hold their own bodies accountable. If Luka comes back at 70% to start a season, and that's just looking ahead. That's if we even get out of this first round. I don't like Luka's future in Dallas. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying, but uh, I completely disagree. Um, Luca coming into the season, even out of shape, was averaging better numbers than most likely the top three MVP candidate this uh, year, Joel Embiid. I think it's more of a media narrative than anything, and um, I think this is the first time that, if I if I remember that this has happened, because he, of course, came off of the Olympics and stuff like that, but this is the first time he's in, been, been injured as his uh, three playoff series he's played so far. You have to keep in mind, by himself, he took the Clippers to seven with Kawhi and Paul George. And hypothetically, I don't think we're going to lose this series. And if we do, I don't think it will be on Luka. I don't think Luka is necessarily as injury-prone as you're necessarily saying, but I get where you're coming from with uh, the ankle injury, the calf injury, and stuff like that. But I, there, there's no way you move on from a stupid superstar of this caliber, like a generational talent of this caliber. Of course, that's why we signed him to the Supermax. I just don't think you can move on from someone that's this special and who truly has GOAT potential, in my opinion. You heard the man. GOAT potential. Let's go ahead and get a timestamp on that just to make sure. We're going to continue our little, I guess you could say, playoff rundown. We got our Mavericks who ride out of the way. We're still going to continue to rub it in unless something unforeseen happens this Thursday, which let's go and keep our fingers crossed on that. We're going to take our first break. Matthew, we're going to keep you here. We're going to break down the rest of our playoff matchups across the NBA. You're tuned in to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network. 
probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the Loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under-the-hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year. Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. And my name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in the Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Back on the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Be sure to find the Antler Sports Network online at antlersn.com. Go to the top banner across the top of your screens, whether that be on PC and mobile, and check out the Antler Sports Network bird stand. New items added weekly. Summer's just around the corner. We added bucket hats not too long ago. We also have trucker hats as well to keep that head covered from this treacherous Texas heat. I know, Matthew, you talked about just off air about possibly copping a hat, so definitely try to get you guys on there. If you check on our Twitter page, we'll be releasing a exclusive coupon code for all Antler Report listeners across the Antler Sports Network and all listening platforms, whether you're listening live on the Mixler app or wherever you find your podcast on all Google and Alexa-controlled devices. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. All completely free as well. We have Matthew back with us as well as we break down the rest of the NBA playoff slate. But first, I want to go off of the court for this one particular series. What's shaping out to be what could be one of the greatest playoff series, probably the greatest first round series that we've seen in a long time, between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. Boston took game one off of a Jason Tatum buzzer beater to cap off his 31-point performance just this past Sunday. But what stole the show even more than that Tatum buzzer beater was the actions of a certain Kyrie Irving. Of course, as we know, Kyrie Irving has a lot of history in Beantown, to say the absolute least. He finished the game with, with 39-5-6. and six. Un- 
one word to describe his performance was unstoppable. If you watch that ball game, he just couldn't be stopped. You thought Kevin Durant was one of the most unguardable players in the league. Well, Kyrie Irving took that throw and burned it and made his own that night. But it wasn't his play on the floor that stole the show. It was his antics off of it. Of course, as we know, Kyrie Irving, a former Boston Celtic, left on not necessarily the best terms. I guess you could say it's now a mutual hatred. You stab my back, I stab yours relationship between the Boston Celtic, not only the organization, but the fans and Kyrie Irving. And the fans are pretty much set Kyrie off. Matthew, I don't know if you watched that game live and saw Kyrie Irving give a pretty, I guess you could say, positive gesture to the fans behind him at the TD Garden. And of course, his reaction off the court after the game and all the post-game mess and goings on that occurred after the final horn. Kyrie Irving talked about how he wanted to give fans that same energy. Now, I already know how I feel about this. Matthew, how do you feel about Kyrie Irving, quote, giving the same energy back to the fans, even if that is in a pretty negative and pretty spotty light? Yeah, well, uh, you know what position he's in. He's going into um, Boston, a place where he used to play. And as NBA players, I feel like you there's a certain degree where you have to act professional. And um, Kyrie Irving really did not show that in the first game. I think I, I think it's, it's a level of disrespect towards the people who pay to watch their team play. And, of course, you're in the league so long that you're – you're going to hear all that trash talking and uh, everything else from fans. And of course the stuff he did was funny and stuff like that. But like as an NBA player, you get paid to play basketball and you are supposed to act professional on the court because you're not only representing yourself, but you're representing younger people as well that want to watch you play. And especially as someone as amazing as Kyrie Irving. I mean, I think you just need to act a little bit more professional now. Uh, how he played that game was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they almost stole that game for that Jason Tatum layup, but I just feel like he needs to act a little bit more pro- professional, especially being one of the most uh, looked at NBA players from the younger generation and uh, us as well. Now, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. You're going into Boston. You know it's going to be a hostile environment. As a fan, as you said, you paid good money to go to that game. There has to be a certain point where, as a fan or a spectator or even a casual fan, if you poke the bear long enough, it's going to bite. There has to be a point as well to where there is a clear line drawn between good old-fashioned banter and good old casual trash talk between fans and players and straight-up disrespect. Now, in this situation, I don't really think it was disrespectful Maybe because as a player, as a former player, I like trash talk. I like chippy situations. I like when things get heated because that adds edge to the game. That adds emotion. But that's just a personal, that's a personal emotion that I like to bestow. Not only with fans, but with players on the floor as well. I like that little bit of extra banter. To me, that adds emotion to the game that I think sports in general has lacked especially with the generation becoming so neopolitical and everyone wanting to be censored all the time. Well, guess what? You go on that basketball court, you talk some trash. That's good. The best way to respond, you just go out there and get a bucket. And that's the beauty of sports. Mm-hmm. Someone trash talks you on a football field, you guess what? You ask your quarterback to give you a right for it, you go up there and you get, make a big play. Because big-time players make big-time plays, as we always say here on the ASN. But there has to be a line drawn. Do I think they cross that line? 
No, not at all. Now, if we go back to the Westbrook Utah situation where families run into it, then yeah, okay, there that's it. That's kind of the point where people, no matter what your belief is, you ever think, okay, that's that's a little too much. That's something we leave, that's something we don't need in our NBA playoffs, specifically in just sports in general. But this, I I like this. I like this chippiness, this edge that this series has gotten. And now that we've seen that Boston isn't going to go lying down, even with two of the best offensive players that we have ever seen lace up a pair of shoes on the other side, and Boston's still hanging with them, then yeah, I like this. This is what the NBA needs. Now, do I think that Kyrie Irving's comments on live television, specifically ABC, were okay? No. But at the same time, we have to look at the Oscar situation. This is becoming more and more prominent. If you listen to nationally syndicated talk radio, it's becoming more and more prominent. I've heard explicit terms that I never thought I would hear on the radio waves be said constantly. I remember even when I was younger, if you said hell or damn on the radio, you would be looked down upon as if you didn't know what you were talking about because that was something that was just so looked down upon to say. Now you see guys like Stephen A. Smith and all these other big TV and radio personalities use more and more colorful language, so to speak. I guess it's becoming more plausible. And that's just that just comes with the times. People change, the narrative changes, media changes, and that's just the way of the beast. But the way Kyrie Irving reacted, I understand it. I get it. Am I saying it's right? No. Am I saying it's wrong? No. That much is for you to decide listening at home. But I like this chippiness. I like it. I love it. I'm here for it. The fact that Kyrie Irving and fans are cussing each other out mid-game and Kyrie is going out and scoring almost 40 points a night, I love to see it. You mean to tell me I get to watch this for seven more games? Count me in. I'm here for it. Now, don't want to hear Kyrie Irving cussing and racking up more fines than Mark Cuban because he's cussing on live television? Then no, because that's dumb. As you said, Matthew, you have to have a certain level of professionalism. But at the same time, this gives emotion to the game that the game needs. And it's that emotion that I love to watch on a night-to-night basis. Because series like the Mavericks and Jazz, if you're not a Mavericks fan, yeah, it can't get boring. Like the Hawks and the Heat, yeah, it can't get boring. But elements like the Kyrie Irving Boston beef are what give playoff series life and personality. And that's what I love about the NBA because it opens up to that. You have fans mere centimeters away from the players at all times. In football, you have, of course, you have the stands and then there's the benches, the cheerleaders, all the security, and this, that, and the fourth. But in basketball, you are right there. That's what I love about the playoffs and atmospheres like Boston and Chicago and Miami and L.A. Because it adds extra flavor to the game that I personally enjoy and I think adds to not only the playoff series on the floor, but also outside of the game as well. Now, do I think this should go on? Just a little bit, just a tad bit. But I don't want this to just be seven games of a shouting match between Kyrie Irving and some random fan that paid 75 bucks to be there. Matthew, your thoughts? Yeah, no. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, um, uh, uh, whenever you're going back and forth, you know, it's always fun to watch, especially as a fan. 
that's more of like the on-court type of things I like to see. Off the court, necessarily, with Kyrie Irving, you know, using explicit language and everything like that towards fans, I, I still just think that's unprofessional. But this series is going to be very interesting. I could easily see it going to seven games. And I'm really excited to see <clears throat> how the Nets are able to come back after this controversy, especially Kyrie and uh, what's going to happen? Uh, is Kyrie going to come back and have an absolutely monster game after facing all the criticism that he's had, or is, is he going to fall under the pressure? It's something we'll have to see. Let's stay in the Eastern Conference for the first game of tonight's playoff slate. We have the Hawks and the Heat. Trey Young in game one pretty much shriveling up and Duncan Robinson doing the absolute opposite, going absolutely mental from deep. Jalen Brunson-esque if you like to call it. Maxi Kleba-esque, if you like to call it. Are we slowly starting to see the real Trey Young, the guy that in the regular season has all the highlight shoes from the logo, has all the funny clips of him shimmying on the logo, this, that, and the third, but at the end of the day, still falling in the big moments. Is this the start of the Trey Young being a playoff choker narrative, or does he still have time to try to bring this thing back against the Heat team that, as we've seen, is a well-oiled machine? Well, Trey Young, I mean, he hasn't necessarily fallen under the pressure too much when it's come to a playoff atmosphere. However, excuse me, this Heat team is so good that I don't see them making it out of the first round. I think Trey Young will put up a couple of good performances here and there throughout the series, but I don't see this going past six games just based on how good this Heat team is, honestly. So let's move on to the West. The arguably the best team in the league, the Phoenix Suns taking a 1-0 lead at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, who, in my opinion, are one of the one of the best built future teams in the league right now. You have a young core of CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, and what could be a Zion Williamson that, as we've seen, is about 300 and something pounds and is still windmilling. Take that as you will. But I feel like this series is either going to make or break the future of the New Orleans Pelicans team. Am I expecting New Orleans to win? No. Do I want them to get swept? Heck no. I feel like this could end up being somewhat competitive. You have Devin Booker and C.J. McCollum who can pretty much go tit for tat with each other, which people don't really want to talk about, that C.J. McCollum is still one of the best scorers in the league. I don't care what anyone says. The man's efficient, the man can shoot, and he doesn't commit a lot of turnovers. What more can you ask for in a main, in a main guard? But... Do you think that the overall chemistry and the depth that this Phoenix Suns team has is going to be too much for the Pelicans? Or can the Pelicans hang in there and maybe make this a series? I feel like the Pelicans can make this a series, personally. Yeah, of course. I feel like the Pelicans can make this a series, but I don't think they're going to win whatsoever. You know, there's reports that came out talking about how Zion thinks he can play, but the front office doesn't want him to play. I honestly think that if they took that risk and let Zion play, that this would be a very, very, very competitive series. However, I just don't think that's going to happen. With the, and this Phoenix team's way too good. Uh, uh, again, another finals run type team. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the finals. But this can be a uh, series. Um, you never know. Brandon Ingram. Uh, really, really good score. Um, like you said, T.J. McCollum. I just like to see Zion play with them as well, because especially if he thinks he's ready, I'd, I'd love to see them three go against the uh, Phoenix Suns. But 
too bad we can't see that this year. So I got uh, Phoenix winning, obviously, but I can see the Pelicans putting up a little bit of a fight. When it comes to this front office and pretty much this entire debacle or beef, I guess you could say, between the Pelicans as an organization and Zion Williamson, not only his Zion, but I guess his family tree as well, they pretty much become a big focal point of this headline too. I personally think that they want to keep Zion off the floor just so they can up his trade value. Now, do I think that Zion should be traded? No. I feel like this New Orleans team with Zion can be extremely dangerous, especially in a Western Conference where week in and week out, we don't know who the best team in the conference is. It could be Golden State. Mm -hmm. It could be Phoenix. Some weeks it's Dallas. Some weeks it's Minnesota. Some weeks it's Denver. You just never know what this conference, and that can play into the hand of the Pelicans, in my opinion. But that doesn't happen without Zion. As we saw when Zion, in the short little sliver of time that we saw him play what seems like eons ago, he was a top 10 player in the league, whether people want to admit it or not. The kid was special. Mm -hmm. If this Pelicans team, with a C.J. McCollum, who we know can play any role he needs to play, whether that be a number two role or be the main guy, with a Brandon Ingram, who has had a career resurgence with the Pelicans, he's shown he can be a number one or a number two or even a number three guy. Plus a Zion, who we know can be a top 10 player, this could be a conference final contender, if healthy. But I don't think the Pelicans see it that way. If they did, they would try to make sure Zion is 100%, make sure he's happy, make sure he's comfortable, and try to get him into this playoff series and make this a game. To make this a seven-game series, maybe you never know. With Zion, they could that could be the push that they needed to get them over the hump. But you have to look on the side of Zion as well. Of course, he hasn't been doing what he's supposed to do, too. He JJ Reddick still. I still look back to this constantly when talk when thinking and talking about the Pelicans, not only on the show, but with other people as well. Zion has to do what he's supposed to do, too. Same thing with Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. same thing with Luca, same thing with Harden. You have to hold yourself accountable as as a player and as a person. Now, do I think that the Pelicans organization sees Zion as a person that's holding himself accountable? No, and that's I understand that. I get it. But at the same time, you have to win games. And if Zion, and if that if that means bringing Zion back to win this series, then go ahead. Bring him back. You never know. It could be the start of something great. Maybe the Pelicans see something different. Who knows? Only time will tell. Staying in the West in what I think is one of the biggest punches to the mouth I've ever seen in a playoff series, the Minnesota Timberwolves going into the FedEx Forum for Game 2 with a 1-0 lead over the John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Something told me that this Grizzlies team was a little too good to be true, especially seeing this team without John Morant and how much attention he's garnered. But I didn't expect the Minnesota Timberwolves to come out and play the way they did in Game 1. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. I mean, this uh, the uh, Grizzlies, um, they coming into the playoffs, they had such high expectations, especially without Jaw and then with Jaw. And you have to keep in mind on how young their team is. So of course there's going to be mistakes in the playoffs with lack of playoff experience. But I think I think the Grizzlies are going to be able to feel comfortable and uh, start getting their groove back in the playoffs. I don't think it's a big deal. And I wanted to add one more thing to the uh, Pelicans um, that you just mentioned. I I feel like if Zion were to play, 
I think the Pelicans would win that series just because of people forgetting about how unstoppable he was. I wanted to mention that real quick. But anyways, back to the Grizzlies, I think that Memphis just needs to find their groove, and they will eventually. They're such a young team that going to the playoffs is kind of something new for them. But they will find their groove, and they'll end up overcoming Minnesota for sure. So with Minnesota having, quote-unquote, in some circles, the greatest shooting big man of all time, which I think is absolutely preposterous, but that's besides the point. Hmm. And that's not even coming from a biased Mavericks fan. Well, I'll take that back. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? But I feel like this Minnesota team with Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, this reminds me a lot of, ironically, that 2012 grit and grind Grizzlies team. This reminds me of that Tony Allen, Mike Conley, Mark Gasol team. Do you think the Grizzlies can maybe go back in time and see what worked with that squad, even though it was in a much different NBA in a much different time? I feel like the similarities are there. Can the Grizzlies use that to their advantage and maybe even gentlemen sweep the Timberwolves? Um, I feel like they can, of course. And, you know, but you never know what's going to happen. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a, an amazing player. Uh, not the greatest shooting big man of all time, of course, but I think he he's an amazing player. But I I just, yeah, I think they can, and I just don't see the Timberwolves still winning this series. You know, um, less than a week ago, they uh, supposedly won the NBA uh, championship after that play-in victory. And um, I think they're going to uh, – get too cocky that because that's that's who that team is I think they're they're a team that is too cocky within themselves and I think the Grizzlies are going to be able to take advantage of that especially going down 1-0 and I I just think yeah this is going to be a clean sweep once the Grizzlies find the groove now I feel like Memphis was a team that came in pretty cocky of course you saw all the narratives oh we're good with jaw and we're good without job this is this is going to be an easy series especially with a Timberwolves team that we didn't expect a lot from I guess that kind of plays into that post-game Patrick Beverly celebration that you alluded to. We didn't expect a lot from Memphis. And then the way they came, well, not Memphis, from Minnesota, the way they came out and played, no one thought that they would even make it this far, myself included personally. But Mm -hmm. I feel like even Memphis came out a bit cocky. Now, how these two cocky teams will end up battling for the rest of the series is going to be interesting. Will Anthony Edwards be able to take that next step and show up? Will Carl Anthony Towns continue to be consistent? Will Patrick Beverly continue to be a menace? Who knows? <laughs> and you even have to look on the other side. You have Jaron Jackson, John Morant, Desmond Bain, a team that is from top to bottom pretty well stacked, pretty well constructed, and pretty self-absorbed to a certain degree. And that played into that cockiness that got them smacked in game one. But to your point, I do think that Memphis will be able to get their you-know-what together and find a way mm-hmm. to pull out this series. With that being said, we're going to take one more short break. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter show, and then we'll talk about the final two playoff series. We're going to keep Matthew here with us on the ABS T-Shirt Graphic Hotline. You're tuned in to the Antlers Report on the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. 
Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under-the-hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. This is the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Welcome back to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Thank you all for listening wherever you may be on this fantastic Tuesday afternoon. Be sure to go online to antlersn.com, former slash schedule. We already have some of our Antler Sports Network slated games across the state of Texas for next season, so be sure to see if we'll be at a game near you. Also, be sure to follow the Antler Sports Network across our social media platforms on Twitter at antler underscore sn, on Facebook and YouTube at Antler Sports Network, and follow us on Instagram at antlersportsnet. Also, be sure to go online, as we talked about earlier, to check out the Antler Sports Network merch store, adding new stuff constantly. We just added a couple of trucker hats to our store. Also looking for a couple of new t-shirt designs to add to the store in the coming days as well. So be sure to check us out there. Use code TAR at checkout to get a cheeky little discount. Just a special deal for all of our Antler Report listeners. One last final thing before we close out the show, we'll bring Matthew back on via the the ABS T-Shirt Graphics Hotline for the final two series left for these NBA playoffs. Starting in the East and probably one of the worst series I will probably ever see, the 76ers mm-hmm. up 2-0 against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, they simply just, they don't have anything. They don't have the Jews. They don't have the macho. They don't have stars. This is probably going to be a sweep, wouldn't you think, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's nothing special. You got the one of the MVP candidates shooting 30 free throws a game. Um, you, you're not going to be able to beat that. They're not stopping Embiid. The 76ers are going to get the easiest sweep, and that's that. I mean, let's see. Uh, OG Ananobi, uh, Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet. Like, you, you would think that would be good enough to make this a series, but, I mean, when Joel Embiid's getting 20 free throws in the first quarter, you really cannot do anything to stop that. So, yeah, this is going to be a clean sweep. Now, that series pretty much quick to analyze. You can watch the first quarter of games one and two and pretty much see that the Raptors have no gas. It's almost like they're out there just to play. But I I, I don't like this 76ers team either. If they're relying on Maxie and Danny Green every night and just hoping that Joel Embiid gets triple-digit free throws every game like he's a part of the Miami Heat back in the 2006 finals, which is a final series that we do not talk about, especially around Hmm. myself for mental reasons but there is it's the simple fact that the Raptors they're pretty much hanging on to that Kawhi Leonard team they're hanging on to the final threads of that championship on the coattails of that dream run and they simply can't the East has gotten better there's Giannis there's the Nets and there's the Sixers that are currently spanking their butts right now OG Ananobi isn't going to cut it Pascal Siakam isn't going to cut it a constantly getting injured Fred Van Fleet no matter how good he may be isn't going to cut it the Sixers just have too much firepower. Now, will that firepower translate into the later rounds? I don't think so, personally. But only time will tell. And moving on to a Golden State Nugget series that, as for every quarter that goes on between these two games, it just gets worse and worse. The Nuggets were absolutely dismantled in Game 2 with what is now the new Hampton Five, with Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. Nobody in that lineup above the height of 6'9". Not even a true forward, let alone a true center. If you look at this Golden State Warriors team and how effective they've become, is this team potentially just as good or even better than that record-setting 2016 team? Um... uh... I can't say they're just as good because that team was phenomenal, and I don't think we're going to see a team like that in a long time. But I will tell you, this team is absolutely scary. Jordan Poole finding his stride and playing like an all-star now, and like he's fitting perfectly within the offense. Andrew Wiggins and uh, Draymond Green doing well defensively as well. Uh, Jokic is trying his best, but he doesn't have any help around him. I mean, this team is absolutely scary and I this is a team I would not want to face in the Western Conference especially with everyone finding their stride at the right time this Warriors team could easily go to the finals as well with how scary they are now before the playoff field finally was set at the end of the regular season there was a chance that the Mavericks would have played this Nuggets team and there were one or two ways that I wanted to see them guard this Nuggets team You either close in on Jokic completely and hope that Will Barton and Aaron Gordon don't kill you, or the other way around. You focus on his quote-unquote help and just let Jokic do what he does. The Warriors have found that perfect mixture of you're neutralizing Aaron Gordon and you're not letting Jokic absolutely take over. Yeah, oh, I hear you say he had 26-11 and and 4 assists the last game. 
We're used to Nikola Jokic getting triple doubles with at least 13 rebounds and 13 assists. He isn't taking over the way that we're used to. And that's fair to say. And that goes into the fact that the Warriors are pretty much playing like the Kansas City Chiefs in football right now. They're scoring so many points that they don't have to worry about defense because you're not outscoring them. You're not going to outscore Curry. You're not going to outscore Thompson. And apparently you're not going to outscore Jordan Poole either. Which, to your credit, is one of the best stories of this playoffs, of the young playoffs so far, is the fact that Jordan Poole is finally coming to his own and has found a spot in this Warriors rotation. Now, I saw a, a tweet. I guess you could say it was a joke tweet. I don't know if it was a joke or a serious tweet. Do you bench Steph Curry and just let Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson do their thing? And just let Curry kind of rest up? Will this be the first time that we've ever seen someone rest in the playoffs because of another player's production? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Of course, uh, Jokic is still deadly. Um, and you never know what could happen. He could pull something out of his bag of tricks, you know, because he's probably going to win the MVP and rightfully so with his amazing season. So I wouldn't say you let him rest and rely on someone like Jordan Poole, but he has been playing phenomenal. But so is Stephen Curry. He has been unguardable this series. And, uh, yeah, you can't let someone like that rest. But Stephen Curry's been absolutely unguardable this series. And um, Jordan Poole deserves his flowers, too. He has been playing past expectations. I, like, when I look at this Warriors and Nuggets team, I couldn't have told you that, yeah, Jordan Poole's going to be the one that's going to be the X factor and take off and lead this team to a 2-0 uh, lead. That's just, that, that's just not what I thought was going to happen. So he's exceeded everyone's expectations and made this Warriors team extremely scary. Now, you talked about scary. How about a scary stat for you? Golden State in that last game shot 43% from deep. Not from the field. Not from the charity stripe, but from three. That's ridiculous. I understand you want to live by the three, die by the three, but at this point, Golden State's going to live by the three and survive by the three. They're chucking up countless threes a game, and it's working. Seth Curry's dropping 35, 30 points a game and going 12 from 15, 12 and 17 shooting. Nikola Jokic and that team, they just can't keep up. If they were to try to make this a series, what do the Nuggets do? What adjustments do they have to make? Or is the series already over? There's, it's, This is a Golden State team that is so good that we haven't seen in a while. And it's not one of them teams that one night they're going to be shooting 50% from three and the next night they're going to be like 20% from three. This is a team that's going to be shooting consistently well. Of course, they, they're going to have to guard the perimeter, but people like Jordan Poole and um, Andrew Wiggins are going to be able to um, get inside as well. This is just a nightmare matchup for the Nuggets, and I don't think they expected all of this firepower to come from their offense. And there's, I hate to say it, but I love Jokic, but there's not much they can do defensively. I think the series is well, well over already, and I hate to say it, but I mean – I, I just don't see anyone stopping this Warriors team right now. Pretty pretty well said, honestly. This this Nuggets team just doesn't have enough. This isn't a, to discredit Nikola Jokic or anything, but he needs more. Aaron Gordon ain't going to cut it. Will Barton ain't going to cut it. Jamal Murray would definitely help. Matthew, thank you once again for being on. We'll be sure to try to get you on 
at a later date and time. Before we close out the show, let's get a couple of sports headlines out of Cleveland. Deshaun Watson showing up to the Browns opening camps as the offseason begins, but Baker Mayfield nowhere to be found. Interesting to see how that turns out. Joel Embiid telling Nick Nurse to stop complaining about the officials as we just talked about Joel Embiid pretty much getting an automatic 40 to 30 free throws a game. Interesting to see how that will play out as well. The XFL making pitches to leagues and other agents across the football world to try to counteract USFL. Of course, the USFL having a pretty awkward start, having games on Friday, excuse me, on Saturday and Sunday, and an even a postponed primetime prime time Sunday game having to be played just last night. So we'll be compelling to see how The Rock responds to it. And former Cy Young Award winner and TCU Horn Frog Jake Arietta, Major League pitcher, announcing his retirement. Quote saying, it's just my time. He's speaking of time. It's our time as well. Thank you all for tuning in to the Antler Report. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place. And if all the Antler Sports Network across all social medias and check in antlersn.com for slash schedule to see where the Antler Sports Network will be. For Jared Jones, Matthew Hermans, thank you all for tuning in and have a fantastic rest of your day. This is the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. You're probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics.